You're listening to Buzzing with Miss B, the coaching podcast, where we believe that every teacher deserves a coach, and every coach does too. I'm Chrissy Beltran, an instructional coach, resource creator, and coffee enthusiast. And I'm your host. Stay tuned for practical tips and honest coaching talk that will help you coach with confidence. Coach, this is the second episode in my four-part series all about matters of the heart for instructional coaches. Coaching can be so hard on the heart, especially if we have zero boundaries. I want to tell you a little story about boundaries that a friend shared with me not long ago. She's an instructional coach and she was at home enjoying an evening with her husband. They were watching TV, sitting on the couch, and it was already after nine o'clock. Now, please tell me we all know the rule about calling after 9 p.m., Okay. Anyway, her phone rang and it was one of her teachers calling to complain about the professional development that my friend gave that day. Now, I know every PD isn't going to please everybody, but seriously, you're going to call at that hour to tell me I missed the mark or it didn't make your day. (laughs) But here's the best, or actually it's maybe the worst part. She answered her phone. Now, what does that say to the teacher? It's after nine and I'm on family time and you're calling and I'm answering. Some of us might be okay with an after nine o'clock phone call. It might not be a big deal for everybody, but for many of us, that call will stick in our brains all night, worrying us to the point where we don't get any sleep, filling our brains with anxiety instead of the rest we need to go to work tomorrow and be our best coaching selves. But if we keep answering our phones, we're saying that's okay. So that's why I, I invited my special guest today to the podcast. She's going to help us learn about boundaries in coaching, what they look like, how to set them, and how having boundaries will make us better coaches. Coaches, we spend so much time trying to give to our teachers. It's time to do something for yourself. The Teacher Care Crate by the Designer Teacher is such a fun way to treat yourself, and the best part is it's delivered right to your home. Even though it's called Teacher Care Crate, it's full of things that coaches will love. Each month's crate is a different theme, and it includes items to brighten your mood, day, and home. Self-care items include artwork and decor, fun supplies, cute teacher stuff, wearable items, treats, and more. Head to buzzingwithmissb.com slash teachercrate to get your first box. Using this link doesn't add anything to the cost, but it does mean I will receive a small amount from your purchase that helps keep this show going. So head to buzzingwithmissb.com slash teachercrate today. going to make an assumption and you tell me if I'm wrong. You feel like there aren't enough hours in the day. I know it's true. There are always too many things to do and too little time. If you're like me, your boss will walk down the hallway and shout, go home, Beltran. That's why I'm telling everyone about the 40-hour work week with Angela Watson. Angela was a guest on this very podcast back in season one, and she shared her ideas for managing your time, teaching, and stuff to help you make the most of your time at work while making time for home too. But that was just the beginning. In her membership, The 40-Hour Workweek, Angela helps you focus on what matters to have a purposeful and productive workday and then go home. Angela helps teachers find, on average, 11 hours a week that they can take back for themselves while still being a great teacher. The best part is that Angela has a new membership, especially for coaches. She partnered with my friend and coffee buddy, Nicole Turner of Simply Coaching, to create the 40-hour work week for coaches. Check it out at buzzingwithmissb.com slash 40-hour week and get your time back. So help me welcome to the podcast, Caitlin Smith from How to Get Away with Teaching. Welcome, Caitlin. Hey, Chrissy. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here today to talk with us about this important topic. 
Um, so before we get started, I'd love for you to introduce yourself to my listeners, just a little bit about who you are, you know, what your path has been and what kind of work you're doing right now. Okay, so hey y'all, my name is Caitlin Smith. Um, as Chrissy said, from How to Get Away with Teaching. Um, basically, I am an elementary school teacher. I've been teaching for 10 years. Um, and more recently, I started my own business to support teachers across the country. Um, How to Get Away with Teaching is a brand dedicated to helping teachers work with their own wellness, self-care, and productivity. So we send out a monthly subscription box with a whole bunch of goodies um, where we work with mental health therapists and professionals to create resources to help you with your self-care and just help you grow and give you like a really nice pick-me-up once a month. And that is pretty much the work that we do. Um, I'm working on getting some coaching going on to where I support teachers one-on-one -on -one, um, to help with their self-care and wellness and specifically productivity as well. And that's just a little bit about me. Um, after I had some really difficult um, experiences with burnout and postpartum depression in 2019 that really helped propel my wanting to work on myself. Um, and I found that I was picking up and learning a lot of toxic habits from teaching. Mm. And that was pretty much taking over my life. So how to get away with teaching was just my way in like, okay, how do I get away from that in the sense of how do I keep my own identity while being a teacher? Um, and that's pretty much helped propel me to where I am today. So I help people not make the same mistakes that I did. That is great advice. <laughs> we always try to do this, right? Like once you figure something out, you try to put yes. it back out in the world so that everybody else can hopefully avoid some of those mistakes. <laughs> mm -hmm. So yep, I want to tell everybody about it. So <laughs> yes, thank you for doing that, especially today. <laughs> yes. Um, so we talk a lot about boundaries. That's like a word that we're using in a way that we really didn't use it as much before. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's kind of, it's taken on a new tone. So could you define it for us in a teacher-friendly way? Um, I would say for me, a boundary is just a limit that you set for yourself that teaches other people how to treat you. And it can be in your personal life, in your professional life. Um, but to me, a boundary is more so like a commitment that you make, like a promise to yourself that I am not going to push myself past this limit because I know that once I push myself past here, it's not good for me and it's not good for the people in the community that I serve. Um, so it's a promise that you make to yourself and that inherently teaches other people how to treat you. I really like that definition because it, it changes the way that you think about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause sometimes we feel so guilty about it and it's like, is that being selfish? Is it not serving, you know, the teachers that I serve in case of being a coach or mm -hmm. am I turning my back on the students that I serve as a teacher? And it's kind of like, you have to reframe it. Like, no, I'm doing this for myself so that I'm protected so that I don't push myself past my limits to the point where I'm not able to serve any of those people, including myself. Yeah, that, that's actually what I was going to ask about. It's because, you know, when you're a teacher, when you're a coach, you feel like saying no makes you worse at your job, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. So how is that actually going to make you better? How does saying no actually make you better at what you're doing? Yeah, I think saying no, it, and it's hard because, you know, teachers, we're, we're inherently, we're so passionate and we work with our hearts. Yeah. Um, and that, you know, at the, at the end of the day, that's why we do what we do. Um, and so when you're in a 
position where your career is tied so closely to something that you're so passionate about, it's right. easy to, for that to get kind of mixed up and for those intersectionalities to just be all over the place, right? Yeah. Um, and I think you get past that by understanding when I say no to this, I'm saying yes to myself. And that's hard for us to do. Like, why is it so hard for us to say yes to everybody else? And then we put ourselves on the back burner. Uh-huh. Um, and I think that was like the click for me when I realized if I'm saying no to this, I'm saying yes to Caitlin and she deserves attention too. Uh-huh. And she deserves love. She deserves my yes. So I think once you get past that, then you'll notice that the guilt starts to go away because you're realizing I'm not saying no to this person out of anger or I want to hurt their feelings or I'm not, you know, being malicious in that way, but I'm saying yes to myself and putting something in place that protects my peace and protects my sanity and protects my energy um, in a sense so that I know I'm not overextending myself, which is something that teachers always tend to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. I mean, you sh- we, we say yes to everything and then you just have nothing left anymore. And you- so I know that whenever I have said yes to too many things or whenever I am overworked and, and um, I don't have any time for myself, I get snippy, I get short, I get frustrated. I'm like constantly irritated. That's just how I respond to things. And everybody else has to know exactly what's in my brain because I have no patience to explain it to anybody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I mean, that doesn't make me a better anything. It doesn't make me a better parent, a better no. teacher, a better coach. It just, it makes everything worse. Right. And it's hard to accept that. And it's like, huh. if I say no to this commitment, or if I say no to this task, I'm better prepared or I'm like, I'm able to show up in the other roles that I'm, com- you know, that uh-huh. I feel, um, But also you're just saying yes to something else. Like you're saying yes to make more space for you to do something that you love, which Uh is possibly like, that's what we do nine times out of 10. We're not doing the stuff that we like to do because we're too busy taking care of everybody else. Right. Um, And so I think it's really difficult, but I think once you start doing it, like, I don't know what book I was reading. The title is, I can't remember it right now, but they were like practice saying no just like to those small things, like just practice. And it's okay. Some folks will be disappointed and that's fine. Um, Some people will be upset, but in the long run, it's really doing something for yourself and for your own wellness over time. Yes, totally. I, you know, I, there, there's a podcast that I listen to. I think it's Jenna Kutcher's podcast, the gold digger mm-hmm. one. And she talks about um, a yes to something is a no to something else. And mm-hmm. so like, I feel like I've gotten better about as far as, okay, well, a yes to this, you know, yes, I'm going to say I can do this podcast, for example, but then I'm saying mm-hmm. no, that I don't have time to work on this, right? It's a trade-off. But whenever mm-hmm. I'm saying no to myself, it's a lot harder <laughs> to yeah. say the no, right? And mm-hmm. to the, or say that it's a lot, of, it's just harder for me to weigh that in the balance and to have it make up the same value as something else. Yeah. So how do you think that schools actually became this culture of yes? Because <laughs> it's, it's pretty bad. Like, I remember whenever I first started teaching, my, there was a huge banner in the, in the cafe gymatorium, whatever we call it. It was huge. Yeah. Like, and it said, whatever it takes. And that's like what was on the wall. And that was the way that, that our work was approached, you know, whatever it takes to make, you know, to help kids. And at the time I was a young teacher, I was single. I didn't have children. And it was, even then you should still have boundaries, but I, I was new to it all. So yeah. it didn't feel as burdensome yet. 
you know? Mm-hmm. Same. Um, so yeah. <laughs> same, same. I, I completely understand where you're coming from. Um, I think because this profession is dominated by women, I think that has been, it's created an opportunity for us to be kind of taken advantage because like we talked about earlier we know that I'm doing this work because I'm passionate about it like with my heart like I love and I care about children and it's kind of led itself to I don't want to say well I'm gonna say it to like exploitation of taking advantage of this is we know that these this is a passionate group of people we know that they're going to wear their hearts on their sleeves and we're gonna just you know push them whatever it takes that's gonna be the mindset when in fact that's pretty toxic. Like mm-hmm. that pushes people past their limits to the point where we're having those over, you know, the class sizes are way too many children to manage and we're not getting paid a livable salary. And, you know, there's just so many other things that are wrong with the education system and continuing to try to push through and saying things like, we'll do it, whatever it takes, or we're going to do what's best for kids. Like duh that's why I'm here like y'all know I'm here for the kids however we are still college educated we've got degrees we are professionals and we need to be treated that way and that's where that trade-off is not happening um because I think folks at the top they know at the end of the day we're still going to do this work because we care about children and I think that that the fact that that cycle continues to run and continues to play out in the way that it has I think that's how we kind of got here Uh, because regardless of whatever situations that teachers have been put in like we've had the strikes we've had unions and some states don't even have unions. I'm in a right to work state so North Carolina we don't even have one Um, but I think because this cycle has just been perpetuated for so long to where We know going in, teachers are not going to get paid very well, um, and you're going to be tired, we're going to be stressed, and, you know, but the good thing is you get two months off for summer. Right. I think we've just perpetuated that narrative over time, and that's just how we got here, and I think the pandemic just exposed all of that. Um, Like, we knew, because we're in school buildings all day, Um, but I think society's eyes were opened. with the pandemic to all of the, oh, I'm sorry, that's my dog barking, to all of the mess, (laughs) to all of the mess that's really like behind the closed doors of the education system. So to answer your question, I think we got here just from that continuous cycle being perpetuated over time of you've got to do what it takes and you've got to put yourself on the back burner. And we just kept going and going and going. And I think, you know, using our voices and podcasts and social media to really bring awareness to like the realness behind teaching. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that helps open lots of folks' eyes who had no idea. Um, but I think if we keep talking about it, I'm confident that we'll see change over time. Um, and I'm hopeful for that as well. Yes. Yeah. I think that's a really good point. Um, as I was listening to you, I was thinking about how much teachers are always asked to do so much. And then whenever I became a coach, I knew how hard teaching was. I mean, I, I know it's, it's draining emotionally and mentally and physically. And so I felt like as a coach, my job was to make, was to take things off of teacher's plates when I could, 
right? Mm-hmm. Which means that I ended up saying yes to everything right? <laughs> because right. I was like, well, I can do that. I can do that. You know, it'll save you some time. I, you know, it, you have students in your class. I, I'm more flexible. I can do that for you. And so it was really hard for me as a coach, not to, or to set any boundaries and not to say yes to all the time, everything. And I think that coaches are kind of notorious for is saying yes to all the committees and all the events and all the tasks, the tedious stuff. So then how can you help coaches as well? Because I feel like, I mean, they have more control over some of their time, but they also are given all these, they're like, oh, well, you don't have kids. So they're given all these extra tasks too. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's tough. And, and I really, I think, like, as I said earlier, you know, as we continue to have these conversations, hopefully we'll see the narrative change to where we see the the role of a coach start to change. And we don't make, or we don't say things like, oh, you don't have children, so you can do it. Like, right. I'm still a, a human. Like, I still have a life. Like, just because my life might look a little bit different from someone else's at home, that doesn't mean I need to take additional tasks mm-hmm. home with me. Um, so I think coaches, when it comes to you all's boundaries, because I'm, I'm very familiar with the workload that you all have and have so much respect for coaches, like, man, I, I don't know how y'all do it. But I've, I've, I've interacted with some amazing coaches um, in my teaching career, and I just have so much respect for you all. Um, but I I wanted to share a phrase that I heard on TikTok, this guy, he's in corporate and I forgot his name, but he said in a way to say no and professionally, he says, thank you for reaching out. I would like to do this. However, my plate is full. Do you have some time to help me deprioritize my tasks in order to fit this in? And I was like, (laughs) I love that. And so I'm thinking when it comes to coaches mm-hmm. saying no to maybe admin is trying to have you all implement something new for teachers, that can be a phrase that you use to get some support because, and the thing is in schools, everybody's plate is full. So right. it's hard to kind of, I take this off my plate and I give it to you and it's like, right. I don't have any more room on my plate for that either. Like who has the empty plate running around here? Like exactly. obviously not many people do. Um, and so I would say for coaches, just have a hard stop time where you have committed to at 5.30 PM, I am not no longer checking emails. My phone is on do not disturb. Um, and just make sure you communicate that with your teachers. And I think if you set the example, then teachers will follow. If you set that example to help people know that this is okay, um, then I think they'll follow, but you also want to show your teachers how to prioritize what's most important, what's going to give you the most bang for your book. Like, no, you don't need to laminate all of the things. Yes, you do need to have your small group plans prepared because we know that is where we see students grow. So if it comes down to, oh my gosh, Chrissy, I have all of these things to do. I need to laminate this. I need to plan my small groups. Like, girl, don't worry about laminating stuff. Let me support you getting those group plans done so that you're prepared for you know the week after winter break. Um, and I think really coaching your teachers through how to prioritize. Um, lastly, I would say schedule, um, have a schedule with office hours. Maybe in January after um, break, you can do like a refresh or have a meeting with your teachers to say X, Y, and Z. These are the expectations. This is when I'm opening and available to you all. Um, Come see me. But 
if you find that having that open door, like call me whenever policy, if that's draining you, it's going to have to stop. You know, you're going to have to put some boundaries in place to where the teachers know when and where they have access to you. And then hopefully they're doing the same thing for themselves when it comes to meetings with parents um, or offering tutor tutoring to like students before and after school. I like that a lot. Um, I think yeah. sharing those, communicating those boundaries are so, it's so important because especially if you've been 100% available to a point mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden you're saying, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to change that. If you yeah. change it, suddenly you're going to get a lot of pushback because people are going to be like, what happened? She just doesn't answer her phone anymore or what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that's, and that's what it looks like to other people if you've allowed it to that point. So if you, if you communicate, say, look, I'm doing something new, I've realized this is what I need to do. You know, this is going to help me, you know, do focus better my time that I have here and also be present with my family. Right. Tell people most of the time they get it unless you're, I mean, if you're being reasonable and you know, right. Right. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. And I think you're, you hit the nail on the head, just communicate your boundaries and like the reason why, like, I don't have to tell you all of my business, obviously, but you know, so I can be present at home with my family. Yes. Exactly. That is enough. And I hope that teachers would do the same. Um, like we said, when it comes to communicating with parents, when it comes to communicating with admin, um, all of those things, just to make sure that, again, you're setting a limit for yourself to teach other people how to treat you. Mm-hmm. Um, so when it comes to coaching, just making sure you communicate those boundaries. And I, like I said, January, I think will be a great time. Just like we practice routines and procedures with our students when they return, you can do the same thing with your teachers. And obviously you're not treating them like kids, right. but, <laughs> um, but you're just saying, you know, with second semester, these are, this is, you know, some, uh, pros and cons or blows and grows, whatever the phrase is at your school um, that I noticed from semester one, here's what we're changing moving forward to semester two. And this is what it's going to allow um, more space and more time for us to do as we're pushing through the end of the school year. Um, And I would hope the teachers would be accepting of that and understanding. Um, But if you do get that pushback, perhaps you can work with that person one-on-one to see how you can help them kind of prioritize their list. Because if they're coming to you for every single thing, then something may need to be adjusted, you know, with their specific classroom management or, you know, how they are doing things in their specific room. That's a good point. Yeah, coaching people through this process would be really helpful and to them. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then it kind of helps give you a blueprint for like years in advance or, you know, moving forward. Like, what is it like what worked, what didn't work, what helped you as a coach show up every day feeling rested and well and whole so that you could do your job every day. And if you're finding that, gosh, me having my phone out from 6 a.m. until 10 o'clock, PM, that's really draining me. So let's cut those hours a little bit. Let's, you know, I don't have to be accessible to my teachers at all hours of the day. Let's cut that down and just see if that makes a difference. You know, you can try certain small changes to see if that makes a shift and really notice how that impacts your overall health and well being. So that's a good, I, I like that point that you're making because I, you mentioned having a uh, solid, like a hard stop time for the end mm-hmm. of the day as a good boundary that a coach could set. Other ones, I'm assuming that they're going to, they're going to vary for different people because different things are going to be draining and different sure. things are going to give be energy giving. But um, can you give some examples of really essential boundaries that coaches could set to maintain their sanity and their health 
um, and help them show up really well every day? Yeah, um, I would say have a morning routine and a nightly routine. And I think that is just really something for you overall as a person um, to make sure that you are taking the time out of your day to like reflect mentally five to 10 minutes. It can be prayer or journaling or reading a book or listening to music or just really taking your time like with your skincare morning routine. Are you really just, you know, washing your face first thing in the morning are you or are you more concerned about checking emails so just really being aware of what is it that I'm doing every morning to jumpstart my day and what small things can I start to do periodically to change how I'm feeling every day um, and same thing for your nightly routine how are you ending your evening are you still scrolling on your phone are you checking emails watching tv um are you listening to music, taking time to journal, just kind of like winding down before you go to bed? Um, another boundary I would say is having, like I said, that hard stop time to where you have communicated that with admin and with your teachers, um, what your hours of availability are and just leave it at that um, because you're giving yourself that time to separate work from home. And I think that's very important, um, especially with COVID and, you know, classes going from remote in person, and all of that shifting that's been going on. Um, another boundary I would say is maybe even consider when you're eating your lunch or breakfast, what does that look like? Is it a working lunch? Is it a working breakfast? Um, are you even eating breakfast? Um, and is it mindful? So when I say that, I mean, are you eating your lunch while you're checking emails and you scarf down your food in 10 minutes? Uh -huh. Or are you actually taking those 10 minutes to like really enjoy the flavors and just like be present in that moment to be able to be like, okay, every day during lunchtime, I'm gonna close my door for just those 10 to 15 minutes. And I'm going to eat my lunch and mind my business where nobody's really, nobody's going to have access to me during that time. And that can just be a moment for you to reflect, for you to just enjoy your meal, take your time and just process everything that's gone through your day so that you're in a peaceful state. So then you can continue the rest of your day. Uh -huh. um, I would say another boundary is like we said, saying no and not feeling guilty about it because, you know, I think coaches are, you know, y'all are, y'all are teachers at heart, you know, you're still teaching every single day. So we go through a lot of the same guilt when it comes to, you know, you want to be there for your teachers, you want to support them, you want to help them. But at the same time, who's pouring into your club, like, who's taking care of the coaches, right? Um, and it's going to have to be you, you know, because like, y'all are the ones who are there for teachers. And it's like, who's checking in on the coach, right? So that guilt is natural and that comes with it. But I think the more that you practice saying no and the more that you support like on the front end to help your teachers prioritize, to help them plan, to help them do their long range plan, to help set them up for success on the back end, you'll see that you'll have more time for yourself and less time for that guilt to creep in because you've already done a stellar job at like setting the foundation to support your teachers. Um, and when it comes to the guilt, I think it comes from like a continuous unlearning 
of what we've been ingrained to understand what good teaching looks like and what good coaching looks like. Uh Um, And so when I say that, I mean, really take some time to unpack what is a good coach? Why do I think this way? Where did this come from? And maybe even jot down like a, a, a long list of what specific actions, what makes a good coach? Is it being present for your teachers? Is it modeling strategies for your teachers? Is it um, doing things for your teachers? And that's kind of where the lines can get a little blurred, you know, because are we more so coaching them through this process or is it like, you know what, I'm just gonna do it myself, you know? And if you find that you're doing everything for everyone, that might not be the best, you know, practice that you've been doing for so long. And you have to kind of go through the process to unlearn that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say when it comes to setting a boundary, figure out what is it that you are doing every single day that and kind of determine what's wearing you out and then try to figure out a way to work a boundary around that so that you don't get pushed past that limit mm-hmm. of what you've identified. Yeah, um, I think... I'm thinking back to times that teachers would say, oh, you're so much faster at it than I am. You'll just, you'll be, you'll do it so much more quickly. Yeah. Cause I do it all the time, yeah. but you don't do it. So that's why it takes right. you so long. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. on me, you know? <laughs> so what do you do? And you mentioned this a little bit, you had kind of a dialogue, a script, which I really liked, but what can you do if administration keeps pushing for more, like pushing against those boundaries and demanding more and yeah. more from you? Yeah, I would definitely go back to that script. I loved it. And again, I'll read it. It says, thank you for reaching out. I would like to do this. However, my plate is full. Do you have some time to help me deprioritize my tasks in order to fit this in? Mm -hmm. And so that really challenges the admin um, or whoever you're talking to, to go through your to-do list to see, oh man, Mm-hmm. you know, you do really have a lot on your plate and either a, they're going to delegate it to someone else or B, they could do it themselves or C, they could really stop and say, Hey, you're doing this. You probably don't need to be doing this. So helping you remove something off your plate uh-huh. and then hopefully making space to add whatever it is that they're asking you to do. But they are honestly seeing what the load is that you're carrying. And I think that's eye-opening considering like over time, I think coaches and admin and teachers, we've been kind of so separated that like maybe the other doesn't really understand the, the, the load that we all have that we're all carrying. Um, but I think now with the pandemic, I think we all kind of see each other's inner workings and their jobs a little bit more. Um, and so hopefully with that, like with you being honest and having an open kind of um, mm, like an open relationship kind of with your administration, hopefully they will be able to see that, okay, my coach is like bogged down. They're going to need some of my support and hey, maybe I can do this myself instead of putting more onto their plate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would be, yeah. Or sometimes maybe they could look at it and go, does this need to be done? Or does this need to be done in this way? Or mm-hmm. did I just get a crazy idea in the middle of the night and decided to dump it on my coach? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, is this even necessary? Like, is, is this going to be the biggest bang for our buck? Is this going to, on the back end, result in whatever it is that we're looking for? Are we going to meet these learning targets, objectives, whatever? Mm-hmm. 
if it's not, then it might not really be necessary. Kind of right. like that when they say the meeting should have been an email. Type right. Thing. Like, <laughs> is this necessary? Okay. Yeah. If it's not, let's leave that until 2023 or whenever, you That's know. That's right. In the future. I don't know. Yeah. Someday when we quote, have time. <laughs> yeah. Well, we have some time. I don't know when right. that's going to be, right. but that yeah. magic day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I mean, I think the, the guilt is like you mentioned is really one of the biggest challenges to all this. And it might not yeah. even be something that you realize you feel guilty about, because if you're so used to saying yes, and you do believe this is what it takes to be a good coach, to be a good teacher, you believe the sign on the wall that says whatever it takes and you internalize mm-hmm. that, um, you know, then you can really start to feel like, oh, if I had, I could have just done one more thing. If I had just done this one thing, we might've had a different outcome or, you know, I, I could have helped somebody differently. And, and you really do carry that around with you yeah uh, that those failings in your mind of what how you failed you know to meet the standard of, of a coach or a teacher that you've created oh I love that and and I think you hit the nail on the head it's very specific that we remember we've created you know yeah that you've created some idea in your mind of what good coaching and good teaching looks like over time. And it may have come from your childhood experience. It may come from social media. It may come from the, you know, 25 year veteran that you saw next door. And we have to unpack, why do I think like this? Like, why do I think that me putting myself on the back burner and stressing myself out to where my body is literally showing me that I'm burnt out? Yeah. Why do I equate this with good teaching? Like, where did I pick this up at? And what can I do to change this? Because like your body can't tell the difference between the the stress and the physical, like pain. And when it reacts, it's going to get that reaction either way. So when your body goes into that mode of like panic or it's affecting your nervous system and all of that, like it shows up in different ways. And so just being hyper aware of what your body is showing you, what's signaling and where that's coming from. I think that's really powerful. And I think you, you did a great job of saying like, where did I get this idea from? You know, where did, I I don't know, where did it come from? Did it come from years of seeing who the teacher of the year was and what the teacher of the year did and being there at 6am and leaving at seven, like, where are we picking up these habits in the education system? And how do we undo it? I think that's a really important question. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not that I know some people are like, well, only work your contract hours. And that's, uh, that would be great. I personally don't believe that yeah. can be done. <laughs> it's so I, hard. It's very yeah. difficult. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, that would be awesome. And if you're able to do it and you're still able to do your job really well, that's great. I, I just don't, I mean, the way contract hours work, I feel like mm-hmm. Like ours, I know they gifted us lunch in, in our hours. So mm-hmm. even though we have a duty-free lunch in Texas, we, like you mentioned earlier, we're right to work state. We do have quote unions, but they're not allowed to strike. So then how much, I mean, how right. union are they really? So, <laughs> um, so we did have a 30 minute duty-free lunch, but that time was counted in our hours for the mm-hmm. work week towards our 40 hours. And so I feel like they kind of know like that they're already giving you that 30 minutes, not that mm-hmm. they're giving you anything, you know what I mean? In, in the expectation that that is going to be made up at some point, because they know you're going to work outside of those contract hours, mm-hmm. the real world that we live in. And then whenever you have tutoring, we didn't get paid for tutoring because our contract hours went 45 minutes after the school day. So then they could use up that time for tutoring. So then wow. you don't have after school time, you know, to do that. So um, it was just, 
it was, I mean, it was going to happen. We were going to work after mm -hmm. contract hours. It just wasn't realistic, but setting those boundaries that you feel comfortable with that still value your time and, and, Correct. and you know, your existence as a human being <laughs> outside mm -hmm. of school, you can still say, okay, my contract goes till three 30. I have to do some things after that, but I'm going to leave at four 30. Yeah. That's I yeah. Feel comfortable leaving. Yeah. Because like for me, it was very difficult for me to leave work that was undone. Yes. And I know like people might say, oh, you know, you just need to, like you said, work contract hours, just leave work at work. Okay, cool. But I'm the one that has to go back into the building on Monday. Yes. You're yes. not going to be there. I'm the one that has to deal with it. And I don't know what kind of mood I'm going to be in. I don't know what traffic is going to do. I don't know mm -hmm. what emergency is going to happen. Am I going to get a new student? Like, is someone going to need my help to where my chunk of time early in the morning is just taken away? Mm -hmm. So I'm going to do what I can to be prepared for the very next day, for the next week. And then I will leave my leave work. But for me, I can't only work contract hours. I stay maybe once a week until about 4.30 or so. And granted, that's only um, about 45 minutes after we get out of school. So it's not that long of a time, but for my peace of mind, I have to be ready for the next day. At least have my copies made and like the date should be changed on the board. And I have like my slides prepared for the next day. Um, but yeah, I'm like, I'm the one that has to deal with it. So yes. I, I gotta go. I gotta make sure my work is done. Yeah. At some point that big stack of stuff I haven't graded is going to catch up with me and it I'm sure going to have to deal with it. Yep. Or at some point I got to plan that unit out on division because I'm the one who has to teach it. So mm -hmm. how does it benefit me? It doesn't make me feel better to leave right. at three 30 and walk in the next day going, Hmm, I wonder what we're doing today. <laughs> right. And, and I'm the one that has to like, you know, fly by seat my pants when I'm yes. trying to teach this new concept. Right. Um, so I think it's really important that like, like you said, you do what works for you. Mm -hmm. um, and I think more importantly, have an accountability partner, somebody who is a teacher or who's worked in a school um, or who's a coach that you can text or y'all kind of have some sort of working relationship where, okay, girl, we're only going to work until five o'clock twice a week. And then we're going to like, you know, get our computers and hang out in the media center and we're going to have coffee and, you know, kind of make it a fun opportunity for you to work, you know, side by side with someone who gets it. Yeah. Um, because I think that's really hard for people that are work outside of education. Like yeah. it's hard for them to understand what we go through. Mm -hmm. um, so having an accountability partner who's checking in, like what time are you leaving work? And, you know, who's there maybe, walking down the hallway, I have a few at my school and they'll knock on my door like, Smith, it's time to go. And I'm like, yes, it is. You're right. Let me gather my things. Um, but we just have that general understanding to where I need you to look out for me. I need you to make sure that I'm leaving at this time. and I will do the same for you in return. And I think that really helps keep us lifted um, and helps keep us motivated because we know we got each other's back. Yeah. I love that idea. I used to have a principal who would do that. He would walk down the hall and go, go home, <laughs> go home, Beltron, go home. I mean, no, I wasn't there till like seven at night or anything, but on Friday, yeah. that's when I liked to stay because everybody mm -hmm. left. So right. I was quiet on Fridays because why not? Yeah. I, you know, and then I'd walk in Monday and I was ready to go. And that made me feel great. But he always was like on Friday, he was like, go home. I'm like, you don't understand. No one's yeah. bothering me. This is wonderful. <laughs> yep. I've been there. I've yeah. been, and it's so peaceful. Like there's something so nice about a quiet classroom, like yes. early in the morning or like 
in early in the evening, like right after school, that just, I don't know. I just love it. Mm-hmm. Love the quiet yeah. classroom. So you can get sucked into that. So it is, you have to be aware. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And then I'm like looking at the clock, like, okay, girl, it's time to go. It's right. <laughs> Let's get out of here. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Yeah. We get it. <laughs> So what is the first thing an instructional coach could do tomorrow to support teachers in setting these boundaries? Um, I would say just be yourself. You know, when it comes down to it, I think at the end of the day, teachers want to know that they're working with another human who understands what they're going through and not someone who um, has been out of the classroom for a certain amount of time to the point where they forgot what it was like because that's some of the gripes that I've heard where you know she she hasn't been in the classroom in 10 years she don't know what it's like or you just got out of the classroom how are you trying to tell me how to do my job you know you can't win (laughs) you can't win you've been out too long you haven't been out long enough yeah yes or you just have no clue what you're talking about so there's that that's a whole nother conversation um, like I said, my heart goes out to all instructional coaches because I don't think I could take, I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, but I would just say be human and show the humans have needs and be honest and build relationships with your teachers. Um, and just be genuine. I think it needs to be very obvious. Like I love that our coach at our school, she has candy in there. She has a coffee maker, um, and her door is always open but she does a great job of like modeling boundaries for us. Like at four o'clock, she's going out the door at seven 30. She's showing up in the morning or 7.00 AM. And she just does a really good job of showing us like what it's like to try to have some balance um, by the way that she plans. And she really includes us on the planning process. So I would say tomorrow, if you're going to kind of do like a hard reset in January, just come at your teachers with some reasonable expectations to where you all do some um, plus deltas, like what went well, what didn't go well last quarter or last semester. How can we work together as a team to move forward? And I think if you come with that we're a team mindset. We're all humans and we all have needs and we're all going to hold each other accountable. I think that's a great way to jumpstart um, 2022 with your teachers. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Um, how can people find you online or in the real world? Oh, okay. So online, you can find me on Instagram and Facebook at how to get away with teaching. Um, you can subscribe at our website using w www.getawaywithteaching.createjoy.com. Um, and that's for our subscription box and my website slash blog, which hasn't been updated because you know, life, right. um, but you can read some old stuff at www.howtogetawaywithteaching.com. Um, I do live in Charlotte, North Carolina. So if you want to hang out then um, you know, find me on social media and we can be buddies. Awesome. Thank you so much, Caitlin, for having Absolutely. this conversation today. Thank you, Chrissy. I enjoyed it. All right. All right, coaches. I know that some of this is going to change lives and I am not even kidding because it would have changed my life had I considered this whenever I started out as a coach. I want you to have the tools that you need. And so I want you to get this free self-care download that I have for you on the blog today. If you go to buzzingwithmissb.com slash episode 
89. That's episode spelled out E-P-I-S-O-D-E number 89. And you can grab the self-care opt-in that's at the bottom of this page um, where I have the podcast episode. Okay. So I really want you to think about, do you have boundaries could you name them? Because I know that that would have been tricky for me to name what my boundaries were. What is one thing that you can do to better your own mental health and really to better yourself as a coach by setting a solid boundary? Okay. I want you to think about that. If you come up with an idea for a boundary or something you're going to try out, share it on Instagram or Twitter. I'm at buzzing with Miss B on both. And that way I can see how you're benefiting from this information. I would also love it if you would leave me a review on iTunes. It helps other people find the podcast and it helps me know what you really think. So if it's a positive review, awesome. But I would love to hear your honest feedback. Our next episode is episode 90. And I am talking with Dana Thomas of Happy Teacher Revolution, all about how to keep the teachers on your campus in a positive way and support their mental health. Teacher retention is a huge issue, especially right now. And it's so hard to start over with a new faculty all the time and train them all and everything and get everybody on board. I've been there with high, you know, high levels of, of turnover. It's rough. So I'm really excited to talk to Dana Thomas of Happy Teacher Revolution about how we can support our teachers, keep them on campus, and hopefully build a strong team that can work together year after year. That will be next week. And until then, happy coaching. Thank you for listening to Buzzing with Miss B, the coaching podcast. Want more coaching ideas? Check me out at buzzingwithmissb.com and on Instagram at buzzingwithmissb. If you love the show, share it with a coach who would love it too, or leave me a review on iTunes. It's free and it helps others find this show. Happy coaching.